Hello friends, my name is Weston Nakamura from Blockworks Macro in Tokyo. It is Friday, March 17, 2023 at Asia Markets Close. Happy St. Patrick's Day and welcome to the Market Depth Podcast, uh, where I'll be bringing you global market commentary and analysis from the Asia Pacific trading session so that you know what happened overnight. So today, uh, however, it will be a week in review, and I'm going to explain the absolutely wild swings that we've seen in cross-asset markets, but namely focusing on the global bank stocks and the rates markets. Um, I'll touch a little bit on Credit Suisse and you know shares, their bonds, their credit fault swaps as well, um, but I want to tie all of this into uh, central bank policies, past, present, and implications going forward. Okay, because we are coming off of the heels of the ECB, who just hiked rates despite this banking crisis, if you would want to call it that, um, that's currently underway. Um, it's a matter of price stability as an inflation versus financial stability or market stability, right? Which, you know, they're kind of at odds at each other, which is more of a priority or which are they going to uh, stick with? The ECB went with the, um, you know, maintaining on price stability while obviously, uh, you know, keeping an eye on financial stability. But I think that in my personal opinion, I thought that was the right move for Christine Lagarde to go with because, if they ditched the entire sort of price stability mandate, right, the inflation thing, and then they kind of, you know, cut rates or or, or halted rate hikes, uh, that's only going to spread more kind of panic and fuel to the fire of like, oh, my God, this really is a problem, right? So I think that was the right move to do, and I expect the same out of Fed Chair Powell and company uh, at the FOMC next week, but we shall see. Um, quick headline, by the way, that just crossed the wire a moment ago. Uh, the PBOC has cut the RRR reserve requirement ratio um, for by 25 basis points. Uh, it's effective uh, March 27th. Okay, so this is the last time they did, did this was in December. Um, so this is, you know, very noteworthy. Just not everything that's happening right now is centered solely on uh, the kind of banking crisis that's happening. Things like this. Uh, would be front and center news if not for that. And so something to just keep in mind. All right, so it's a live headline that I just want to, um, you know, flag on. Now, for those of you who saw the debut episode of Market Depth that was released yesterday um, that I made on outgoing BOJ Governor Har- Haruka Kuroda um, and the world's largest asset bubble that he's inflated and kind of leaving behind in the very delicate hands of the incoming rookie BOJ Governor. First of all, thank you for watching it. For those of you who haven't seen it, make sure you watch it because it has very direct relevance for this week in markets and this very video, as I'll explain. Um, but just as kind of a program, you know, because, you know, this is a brand new show. Um, that first episode yesterday, that was not a typical episode. And while this one won't be a typical one either, given the kind of insane week in markets and how much we have to cover, the f- general format of today, where I go over markets, price action, activity, all that, developments, um, and current events, this is what market depth will look like going forward for the most part. Um, and those deeper dive videos like yesterday's will be kind of like one-off specials, just so you know, okay? So there's a lot to get through, Not a, never enough time to get through it. Um, so let's just uh, dive right in. At this point, I'm just going to assume that we're all aware of the collapse of uh, Silicon Valley Bank, Silvergate, all that, and the subsequent turmoil in the U.S. bank stocks that are, you know, very much still underway, um, as well as like Credit Suisse. Okay. Um, so what I want to do is I just want to first take a look at non-U.S. mega banks. Okay. In other words, banks that really have nothing to fundamentally do with like Silicon Valley Bank. 
Um, so namely European and Japanese banks or banks indices. So if you just look at like the Euro, Euro stocks, the SX70 like banks index, Monday we're down 6 and 6.73%. Tuesday up 3%. Wednesday down 8.4%. Okay, that's when um, Credit Suisse was down 25% on record uh, and also record volume. Uh, BNP Paribas was down 10%. ABN Emerald down 10%. Deutsche Bank down to, uh, 9%. That, that was Wednesday, okay? Um, followed by Thursday, where Credit Suisse was up 40% uh, at one point um, and, and halted due to its kind of overnight rescue um, from the Swiss National Bank. And you saw, a, you know, a massive reversal. Okay, then let's take a look at Topix Banks, the Japanese bank uh, index. Very bloody week overall, right? Monday down 4%, Tuesday down 7.5%. Um, that day you had MUFG down 9%, um, Sumitomo Mitsubishi Financial Group down 7.5%, and uh, Mizuho Bank down a little over 7%. Um, th those are the three mega banks. Wednesday up 3.3%, and Thursday down 3.25%. Um, and then today basically closed like, you know, more or less f relatively flat, right? Um, so again, none of the the above that I just mentioned are U.S. regional banks or U.S. banks at all, right? Let alone have any direct significant exposure to these recently failed banks in the United States. Nor are they basically at any risk of like reg regulatory spillovers that might you know come of this um, to warrant such sell-offs. Yet here we are. Um, why? We'll get to that in a moment. Um, regarding Credit Suisse as well, too, right? So. Shares plunge uh, on Wednesday, to down 30% intraday, record, right, on record volume. Uh, Credit Suisse bonds that were maturing in the next one to two months fell as low as 40 cents on the dollar, according to Bloomberg that day. And then their uh, Credit Suisse's one-year CDS, credit default swaps, okay, so basically like credit risk insurance derivatives um, that used by institutions and, and hedge funds and credit desks and banks, um, one year CDS on, on Credit Suisse surged above a thousand, right? The levels seldom seen in the CDS world, even amidst like severe crises. Um, and then you, you know, overnight you have the SB come in, uh, they pledge their support, CS to borrow up to 50 billion francs um, from the central bank. And then Thursday at European Open, CS shares skyrocket up 40%, which is another record. Um, but even though that happened, you still had one year and five year CDS. Okay, so their their credit risk insurance um, remain extremely elevated and inverted. In other words, like one year CDS is trading way higher than five year. In other words, imminent credit risk versus relative to like five years out. Um, so and it's also important to note that like Credit Suisse is like fundamentally, I guess it's fine from a, like a capital ratio and balance sheet perspective, um, and and now also receiving backing from the you know from the central bank. So you know perhaps not problem solved by any means, but it's really no worse than it was like d days ago. Yet credit markets are not buying that. Okay, so that's and have diverged from the what the equity markets are doing. So that's also weird. We'll get to that in a moment too. Um, and then finally, just quick snapshot of like what happened with DM government bond yields, namely U.S. Treasuries, German Bunds, and JGBs, Japanese government bonds. Bond yields, by and large, collapsed this week. Okay, and by no means one directionally either. Just like the bank shares. Okay, we're seeing absolutely wild swings, particularly at the front end, the two-year tenors. Germany, two-year yields dropped nearly a full percent this week at one point, with the largest single-day drop made in over 30 years on Wednesday. Um, so, okay, so that beats like any move from COVID, from the European debt crisis, from 2008, all of that. 
U.S. two-year yields also drop a full percent over the week, um, which includes like Wednesday's largest single-day fall since Black Monday, 1987. Okay, so these are things that happened this week. In Japan, yeah, two-year yields also dropped. They're, they were now negative territory. They went more negative. But the real JGB story of the week is on the 10-year yield, okay, where yields that had very recently been dying to burst out from above its yield curve control, 50 basis point yield curve control cap, JGB yield, 10-year yields are now cut by more than half to below previous yield curve control 25 basis point cap within a two-day time frame. And Mike Ippolito and I discussed this on, on the margin um, about particular issuances of 10-year JGBs, like issuance number 368, for example, which is printing in negative yield territory. Okay, that's a 10-year JGB with a negative yield, not a 50 basis point cap, um, you know, looking to burst out of that, but printing in negative yield. Um, look, these are crazy moves, okay? Some will argue that the, the sharp historic drops in these sovereign yields represents like a, a sudden flight to safety. Of course, this is entirely possible. It's, it's probable for some of this you know, flow uh, to explain some of this flow. But it's not the primary explanation for such violent plummeting in yields at record pace. Okay, JGBs are not a flight to safety either, Okay, like suddenly seen as that. Yet they've seen the sharpest drop in yields in, on a rate of change basis than their U.S. and German counterparts as well as like you know historically um, looking back at JGBs themselves, okay. So there's a lot behind that, um, which I'll get into. Um, now there's too many other price action like superlatives from this week, and I know so I'm not going to be comprehensive about everything. But one final eye popping ticker or sort of you know chart that really grabbed my attention above all others that kind of ties all this together is. The move in the move index, okay? The move index is a measure of implied or like expected volatility in like U.S. Treasuries. This is a VIX of the you know U.S. Treasury market, if you will, okay? So in, throughout 2022, you see the move index like move kind of precipitously higher and higher and higher, um, pulled back in in October, then started to tick up in um, you know the beginning of uh, February of this year. But this week, the you know single day spikes up is absolutely crazy um it's insane and uh the thing is that you know when when that happens on the move index it's very problematic on a cross asset basis because u.s treasuries are not only supposed to be like risk-free safe haven instruments but they're also supposed to be like the boring part of investors portfolios they're supposed to be also like very steady reliable collateral um you know they, they serve a lot of other critical functions because they are like you know they they don't exhibit massive swings um, intraday, and because they are liquid and available, and that's what that's the the function that they they provide, the kind of the mechanical function um, and uh, purpose that they pr provide to uh, to markets these days. So it's very very crazy and alarming to see uh, the move spike like that. It's absolutely stunning. Uh, also note on this chart the move index and. DXY, the, the broad you know dollar spot index, they move more or less in line with one another. Does this signal a coming USD surge? Or is, is this just really an, a completely out of like insane spike in um, implied volatility on US treasuries? Um, okay, so why? Yes, we've seen a whipsaw repricing of the you know of next week's FOMC rate hike expectations, particularly when a banking crisis erupts. Days after Chair Powell assures Congress that all is well and nothing has broken um, as a result of the rapid rate hikes. 
Um, and then, yes, we have like the likes of like Nomura Economist calling for like rate cut next week, uh, FOMC. But these very broad-based, like indiscriminate, correlated, giant moves in the safest of instruments, G5 government bonds, which rival the price action of like 1987 Black Monday, that's not a reflection of like Fed just getting 25 base points less hawkish next meeting or like even the, you know, a pivot for that matter. Because other pivots have occurred like on a random Sunday in, during COVID um, and you don't see rate volatility or rate um, swings, interest swings like this to this degree. So what the hell is happening with the insane volatility across global financial markets that's being led by rates and governed sovereign bond yields? from this past week two things i want to point out first of all positioning or wrong positioning okay so traders were positioned very crowded net short on two-year 10-year u.s treasury futures um uh, you know like very like very very net short like to multi-year levels of, of being net short right so uh that was a very crowded trade as well as also on um short-term rate futures um so you know fed funds type of futures so for futures and so on and so forth German Boons net short positioning was also near almost record levels going into this, you know, the, the last two weeks or so. Okay. And as is the case with JGBs, a lot of short positioning. And so they're all getting viciously squeezed on momentum. Um, and then similar thing with bank stocks and positioning, right? Particularly with like EU and Japan, like Japanese banks, those were like very kind of crowded favorite longs heading into 2023 for different reasons, respectively, between Europe and, and Japan. But there's much profit taking to be had, and so you know that's momentum profit taking that's that's occurring. Okay, so full round trip of you know a net fifty percent or so uh, up and down swing, right? Twenty five percent or so to the upside, then giving all that back. So there's that the like kind of wrong positioning and or profit taking. Uh, but that still doesn't explain the like sheer velocity of these like moves in such a wide array of assets and regions okay so what else is going on so reason two deterioration of market functioning and trading liquidity is what's going on it not the only thing that's going on but a huge part of what is happening right now uh, that can't be overlooked so the silicon valley uh banking crisis is not it's not like a lehman bankruptcy or greece you know debt crisis or COVID or whatever it's not at that level but it is the first kind of bank failure crisis that might be exposing the unintended but very real consequences of what happens when central banks become the largest actors amongst the most safe and liquid instruments, which is government bonds. Okay. Now, note that I'm not referring to like interest rate risk, mark-to-market losses on like fixed income liquidations from like rate hiking. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about QE type of things. Right. I'm referring to actual market trading liquidity and and functioning or the destruction of um, liquidity and and functioning in in these in these markets. When central banks enter the bond buying business as the primary whale, um, and then they kind of overstay their welcome and then they exit. They leave these trails of footprints that hadn't existed previously, and they are, and they just kind are, kind of uh, aren't visible until weeks like this occur. Um, because what happens is during that time when when central banks are in markets and completely distorting market, you know, functionality, um, at price discovery, all that kind of thing, you have things like market makers like who just disappear. And then balance sheets that are, you know, constrained. You have collateral that becomes scarce. Bid-ask spreads, you know, widen. Um, and just 
basically just a whole host of problems. Futures, ARBs that um, can move the underlying cash bond uh, assets far more easily or that simply just decouple from the underlying, right? Illiquidity begets illiquidity, volatility begets volatility, illiquidity begets volatility, and volatility begets illiquidity, right? Two-year German, German boon yields, um, they made a record after record intraday swings both up and down over the last several weeks. It's not just this week, right? And these records are going back decades. Why is this happening? Well, you know, at all, let alone in increasing frequency over the last several weeks. So why now, right? Well, the ECB, after having a very heavy hand in markets, they started their QT this month, but the damage um, to their overstayed welcome to the EU you know, and, and boon markets has already been done, right? Why are U.S. Treasuries also exhibiting like extremely erratic behaviors that does not reconcile the underlying fundamental you know, landscape? It's illiquidity combined with volatility, once again. Okay, so simply put, like when you have thinly traded markets, and then that market, whatever it is, sees a sudden rush of volume of like you know irregular volume come in, it results in severe price swings. So think of like a small cap stock getting short squeezed or something like that. Unlike like a small cap illiquid stock though, right, which is expected to behave in an illiquid and volatile manner, what you now have is government bond markets which are exhibiting that behavior. But those are perceived to be and expected to be and relied upon to be extremely liquid and stable and readily available and easily transacted. Um, but they've been severely damaged from like a liquidity profile perspective. And so to have a, any bit of like rush into government bonds with uh, the expectation that flooding in of capital can be absorbed when in reality they can't, you are going to get these record-sized swings to the upside and the downside in what's supposed to be uh, these relatively low-volatility instruments that are counted on to be so, right? You know, this this is something that's only realized in real time. So if you want to see what this kind of phenomenon looks like at the most extreme level, look no further than the JGB market for which the Bank of Japan like I mentioned, an outgoing governor of Kuroda had amassed over half of JGB's outstanding and in the process has destroyed liquidity and market functioning. Um, and this is why we see the most extreme of the price swings occurring in the JGB market. Relative to the U.S. Treasury and the uh, German boot markets, as crazy as those are, the JGB market from this week takes the cake for the most extreme swings that are happening. And that is directly a result of having the most extreme uh, central bank intervention in that particular market, okay? I explain what happened to the kind of JGB market in depth in this inaugural episode of Market Depth, as well as um, on, on the margin with Mike Polito. Um, again, both of those are out yesterday, so take a look at those for more uh, detail on that. Um, but, you know, with just generally with so many other things like, you know, macro policy-wise or whatever, Japan is, uh, once again, a look into the future of what's to come for the rest of the developed world. We're seeing yet another example of this um, in the form of erratic government bond market price swings. Okay, So uh, keep that in mind. Watch the move index. It's very disturbing to have that so high up there. Keep in mind that this is also quad witching day for um, for the U.S. Uh, all this like you have to keep in mind. Um, and keep in mind as you start thinking about 
at what point will central banks uh, kind of, you know, not ditch, but reprioritize their so-called mandates back to financial stability over um, and market stability over price and, and inflation uh, stability. Okay, so that's it for now. Thanks for watching. Make sure you uh, hit like and subscribe and keep your notifications on because, once again, these will be uh, released and they'll be very time sensitive because they'll be related to that day's uh, kind of market price action and events and developments that occur. Thanks for watching Market Depth. On behalf of Blockworks Macro uh, in Tokyo, my name is Wes Nakamura. We'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye.